the Supreme Court was poised to have a Democratic-appointed majority for the first time since 1969. Or so it seemed until Donald Trump's stunning victory yesterday in the presidential election. Now the Republican will get to fill the pending Supreme Court vacancy, and with three justices, 78 or older, he may get additional appointments that will shape the court for decades. What kind of justices will Trump appoint? He has said they will be in the mold of Antonin Scalia, the conservative icon who died in February. And Trump has promised his justices will protect gun rights and be willing to overturn the Roe v. Wade abortion rights ruling. This is what he said at the final presidential debate. The justices that I'm going to appoint will be pro-life. They will have a conservative bent. Uh, they will be protecting the Second Amendment. They are great scholars in all cases, and they are people of tremendous respect. Uh, they will interpret the Constitution the way the founders wanted it interpreted. So what will this mean for the, for the Constitution and American law? We'll talk with two people with very different perspectives on that. Elizabeth Widra is president of the Liberal Constitutional Accountability Center. Carrie Severino is chief counsel and policy director of the Conservative Judicial Crisis Network. Elizabeth, let me start with you. I know you are very disappointed with the election results. Uh, now that the pending vacancy is going to be filled by Donald Trump and not Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton, what do you anticipate will be the short-term immediate impact on the court? Thank you so much, Greg, for having me on your show today. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously yesterday uh, we were hoping and looking forward to a potential progressive majority on the Supreme Court that would uh, restore the Constitution and course correct for some of these aggressive conservative rulings that we've seen out of the Roberts Court over the past decade or so. But I think it's important to remember that with this ninth justice who will be um, confirmed to the court, if it's a nominee, and, you know, Merrick Garland is still pending before the Senate, um, the President Obama appointed, I mean, nominated him in accordance with his constitutional duty to do so, and his nomination is still pending, um, although I don't think um, any of us who have listened to the Senate Republicans recently think that they are going to uh, be responsible and act on that. But uh, regardless, if there is a ninth justice that is appointed by President-elect Trump, to the Supreme Court, we're back in the world that we were in before Justice Scalia's passing, where we have a five to four conservative majority, but with justices like Anthony Kennedy and Chief Justice John Roberts, who sometimes do side with the more liberal justices to reach progressive rulings. Uh, we, in that context, saw the marriage equality ruling. We saw the ruling just last term that vindicated a woman's right to choose an abortion and strike down state laws that basically tried to make an end run around the Constitution and put limits on the right to choose an abortion. So I think right now we need to remember that, yes, for progressives like myself, who might be disappointed that we are not looking forward to a progressive majority, we still are in the world where it is possible to have progressive victories in the court. Um, we also saw the affirmative action ruling with Justice Kennedy siding with the more liberal justices last term. So while I think we are rightly concerned that there could be setbacks in the march of progress we've seen recently toward rights and protections for LGBTQ Americans, progress toward greater racial equality and justice, progress toward including the rights of everyday Americans in the Supreme Court's jurisprudence and not just uh, solicitous behavior toward corporate interests at the high court. You know, it is a disappointing day, but there is still hope. Well, Carrie, during uh, the campaign, 
Now President-elect Trump released a list of judges he said he would consider appointing, and it was widely seen at the time as a list that was meant to make conservatives comfortable with who he would appoint to the court. How confident should people be that he's going to actually use this list or pick somebody off this list when he ha when he makes an appointment? Well, I think it was a historic move, actually, for a presidential nominee to put a Supreme Court list like that out. And I, I have confidence in it largely because we see the impact it did have on the election. Many of the exit polls are showing that the Supreme Court was the top issue for over one-fifth of the voters. That is huge, and I'm not sure we've ever seen that kind of influence uh, that the Supreme Court has had on a presidential election in the past. I, I think Trump will recognize that, that this is really, uh, in many ways, what put him in office, and that people were very concerned about the kind of justice that Hillary Clinton would appoint, uh, particularly because it would give the court a solid five-vote liberal majority. Now, Elizabeth referred to, I, I have to laugh that she would call the court currently an aggressively conservative court, because it's clearly not. It's clearly a 4-4-1 court, and um, we have four conservative votes, uh, four liberal votes who are much more consistent in their um you know, uh, in, their, in their group identity as liberals than the conservatives are. And then Anthony Kennedy, who in recent terms has been shifting dramatically to the left. Last term, the highest agreement uh, between justices in the court was between Kennedy and, and Breyer and Kagan. Now, this is someone who is clearly not, not a conservative justice. He is a swing vote who is tending ever more liberal. If uh, Trump picks someone off of one of uh, the, the candidates on his list, of nominees. I suspect it will be someone who has a very similar judicial philosophy to Justice Scalia. So assuming they are equally conservative to Scalia, that leaves the court um, where it was before, 4-4-1 split. That's the same aggressively conservative court, right, that gave you upheld Obamacare, that, uh, you know, that, that had the abortion uh, decision that, that uh, nationalized same-sex marriage and constitutionalized that issue. So uh, I, I really don't think much will change in the short term, though, of course, there probably will be additional Supreme Court nominations coming up. And we can't forget that um, about half of the seats on the courts of appeals as, as of Inauguration Day uh, will be either vacant or will have judges that are eligible to take senior status. And so there's a huge opportunity um, for Trump to appoint constitutionalist judges who will take the text and history of the Constitution seriously um, into those yeah, let, positions as well. Yeah, we'll talk a little more in a minute about uh, the possibility of additional vacancies. Uh, Elizabeth, we have only have about a minute right now, but um, given what you, you're talking about, Mayor Garland, and, you, and I, I know you were disappointed with the way Senate Republicans handled that nomination. Uh, if, if Donald Trump nominates somebody like, like someone Kerry was describing, how would you want Senate Democrats to treat that nomination? You know, I think that the way that Senate Democrats have treated nominations in the past, which is to uh, give a vigorous review to the record of the nominee, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I don't know, honestly, if uh, Trump will choose someone from his list. I think it is one of the many unknowns of the potential um, of the upcoming Trump administration, whether he'll choose someone from that list or not, and uh, what that nomination looks like. It's basically a very unknown world. And for an institution like the Supreme Court, which uh, likes to think of itself as very stable, uh, it's rather concerning. 
Carrie, uh, the the three oldest justices, Ginsburg, Kennedy, and Breyer, I think we all agree, are either on the left or in the center of the court. So if if Donald Trump gets to replace a couple of them in addition to filling the the, the current vacancy, what are, what are we going to see? Are we going to see a court that overturns the Obergefell gay marriage ruling, overturns the Roe v. Wade abortion rights ruling, and is that r- really what the, you think the American public w- was looking for with this with this election? Well, I think what they were looking for is uh, certainly to prevent a dominant liberal majority from from running the table on a lot of issues that uh, the Constitution doesn't speak to, whether it be uh, same-sex marriage, et cetera. Um, I, I don't know, actually. It'll be interesting to see uh, how, if, if those justices are replaced, how that will affect the court. Historically, Republicans have been much more, uh, much less effective in, in, in having fully vetted nominees that really do have a consistent uh, conservative judicial philosophy on the court. So for many but, years... But that's not from uh, lack of trying on your part. <laughs> it, it, no, absolutely. I think that's why I was, it, it was encouraged seeing Trump's list, because that did seem to show people with more evidence that they actually had a judicial philosophy that they put into practice and weren't just speaking to it. Because for so many years, we had um, a Republican-dominated Supreme Court, Republican appointee-dominated, that was, in fact, the more, many of the Republican appointees were the most liberal members of the court, you know, like like a Justice Souter or Justice John Paul Stevens. Uh, so I think it'll be interesting to see if uh, that trend changes. I hope it does change, because um, I, I don't think we that the American people want a court that will continue to uh, put policy preferences before the Constitution. And I hope we'll just see the court... Uh, you know, call the decision as they are and uh, and stick with what the Constitution actually says. Elizabeth, earlier this year, liberals kind of breathed a sigh of relief when the Supreme Court deadlocked four to four in a case called Friedrichs that was about whether uh, public sector unions could get mandatory dues uh, from public sector workers. Uh, and there was it seemed as though the court was poised before Justice Scalia died to overturn that decision and weaken public sector unions. Can we expect something like that to come back to the court now when there's going to be a conservative majority again? I would expect that the lawyers who are litigating the public sector union dues case from the corporate side are very eager to get the case back up before a conservative-dominated Supreme Court. And I think that's one of the things that um, I'm concerned about. We've seen the Roberts Court being the most pro-corporate court in the modern era. And I think if you know, one of the uh, areas to watch is exactly the the corporate space because we have rulings um, that could come from the court that are harmful to employee safety, um, discrimination rules, allowing employees to band together through class actions to hold corporations accountable for wrongdoing, employees and consumers being able to do that. And that's one of the things that I think would be different um, if you have a ninth justice appointed by a Trump presidency, um, and also if you have more nominees coming down the pike. I will say that when Kerry talks about justices who will respect the text and history of the Constitution um, and Donald Trump promising to do so, I certainly hope that he does, because when I look at the Constitution, I see a document that is inherently progressive, one that has been amended over our country's history to become more equal, more just, more inclusive by removing the stain of slavery and including people who were excluded from our founding promise, like women, people of color, the poor. And so I think that the American people, when they look at the results 
of this election on the Supreme Court should hold the justices and uh, a President Trump to that Can- constitutional text in history. Carrie, K- we only have about 30 seconds, but I'll give you the last word because I'm sure you want to respond to what Elizabeth just said. Sure, I absolutely agree. The, the, the whole Constitution, all its amendments it, it are, are what the court should be looking at. Um, but but we can't read into those amendments just where we wish the, constitu- the, the country would be. If, if the nation wants to amend the Constitution again, absolutely it should do so, but there's a process for that, and that's Article 5. By passing an amendment, we don't, shouldn't have unelected judges doing that by simply reading in their favorite policy preferences. So hopefully we'll have judges who, who can put their politics aside. So whatever their personal politics are, they can stick with what the Constitution says. Thank you so much to our guests, Carrie Severino of the Judicial Crisis Network, Elizabeth Wydra of the Constitutional Accountability Center. Uh, this debate will surely continue.